everybody. Welcome to the Talking Disney podcast. And we're so excited today. Today we are talking about the fourth Walt Disney animated classic. It's our first time we're talking about one of the golden era films on this podcast. We do in random order. We're talking about Dumbo. So get ready to talk some cuteness. This is going to be really fun. And I'm Rachel and Stanford is here. Hi there. How's it going? Yes. And very, very excited that we have a special guest today for the podcast (laughs) that my friend and fellow Disney fan, animation fan, Eli Sanza is here to talk about Dumbo. Hey, everybody. How are you? Yeah. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. I know. It's so great to have you on the podcast, Eli. Yeah. Thanks for inviting me. This is a movie that I love and I want to talk about it. Yes. Well, the part of the reason why I wanted to have Eli on the episode is because I felt like, because obviously there's some controversy when it comes to Dumbo, and I felt like it was a little bit weird, I guess, <laughs> for like two white people to be yeah. talking about issues <laughs> <She's laughs> about <laughs> Yeah. And so I was like, who do I know that's an animation expert that's a person of color that would be willing to come on my podcast? <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> Eli. Yes. No, you can always come to me if you need the the African-American perspective. I love it. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. It's an interesting thing about this movie and we'll talk more about it, but you know, it has the controversy and I totally understand why it has the controversy, but sometimes I feel like we have a little bit of a throwing the elephant baby out with the bathwater kind of a situation (laughs) here (laughs) because there's a lot of really good things about it. And mm-hmm. uh, Stanford, do you remember like the first time you ever saw Dumbo? Like, obviously, <laughs> it came out. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> <in> 1941. <laughs> you know, I don't, but I, I, rem- I think I was a kid, and honestly, probably my first exposure to it was the music because we had a lot of those Disney storybooks with that had an audio component mm-hmm. to it. Um, I mean, I know this will age me, but they were little records, you know, little, they were little uh, records. Um, I'm not sure if, if I had any that had cassette tapes. Those might have, you know, happened when I was, when I was too old. But um, I can't remember not having Dumbo in my life, and I've always loved it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I remember thinking it was very sad that Dumbo was, it was so sad. And sometimes as a kid, I didn't really like to watch sad movies that much. And I remember just thinking, oh, Dumbo and... Pinocchio is scary, Dumbo's sad, and a Bambi's sad as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I remember going to Fantasia. Tragic. <laughs> yeah. I remember going to Fantasia as a little girl. But probably my bigger memories of Dumbo have to do with the attraction at Disneyland. You know, that's so iconic. Oh yeah. Uh, as Absolutely. far as Disneyland. Yeah. And, and there's actually two. I was, I was thinking about this week that it's one of the only attractions in Disneyland, not including Hollywood Studios, that has two movies, that has two attractions. Yeah. The spinning Dumbo ride and then Casey Jr. Railroad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. yeah. Which is uh, also super fun, mm-hmm. too. You know, I love both of those. Yeah. And I just had the chance, actually, to go to Disneyland. So that was really fun. Went to D23 and I went to Disneyland for a day. I didn't get to do Dumbo. But it is just so iconic, and I definitely remember writing it as, you know, a little girl. Yeah. And, uh, so that's probably more my memory. Uh, what about you, Eli? My memories of Dumbo? Yeah. 
that was a movie that I watched later in life. I didn't own that movie. My family owned a lot of VHS tapes uh, of Disney movies as kids. Uh, that one wasn't one of the ones we owned. I watched that one later in life, and it was just as good as the movies that we had. We had Bambi when I was a kid, and then then I discovered Dumbo, and it was in the same class, I thought. It was like, I, I thought that it was, I don't like to overuse the word masterpiece, but I think that it applied to that movie because I thought it was like, it was, it, it's actually like, it was like a, a little over an hour that the time length of that film and the, and it was it was like really short like a almost like a featurette but it didn't feel too short or lacking in any sense it felt like a completely satisfying film experience that had a lot of funny moments and a lot of drama and and i remember loving it and loving it even more the the more i watch it and to this day i still i still love it mm-hmm. yeah i love it too i love underdog stories whether sports stories or any kind of underdog story and that's what i think dumbo and it's at its heart is it's this underdog story and in a lot of ways it's actually even in the making of the movie it's kind of an underdog story <laughs> because right. they had Here. they had gone crazy uh, in debt, like rewriting and rewriting and rewriting Pinocchio so many times, redoing huge passages. Same thing with Bambi. Same thing with Fantasia. And uh, so it, it it they Walt had read this little uh, little book of uh, of this elephant with the big ears, and he thought this is something we can do that we can just get done <laughs> and uh, we can get it out and it can help us to regain some of this money. Yeah. And it was a very low budget film. They want, he wanted it to be low budget so that they could make, uh, so that it would be easier for them to make money off of it because Dumbo was one of the only profitable films of the first five animated movies Disney made. That one was mm-hmm. the only one that actually made money due to like uh, the European market being cut off by World War II. Yeah, after Snow White, that's definitely true. Uh, Stanford, yeah, what do you think about, I don't know, just about Dumbo and about the how it's kind of it had sort of a strange, a little bit of strange origin? Yeah, the orange is interesting, isn't it? And thanks for sharing those facts, both of you. And I, I think... I think it's interesting too, just as you mentioned, the, the, the runtime is short, you know, it's really, it's really compact. And I think we know this clearly some of that was done for, for cost cutting, but it's such efficient storytelling. Um, one, I think other, other interesting thing of note just historically is that if I'm not mistaken, wasn't Walt Disney and, you know, some stuff about Dumbo set to be on the cover of time magazine. Yes. In, in, in early December. Of 1941 and then it got you know pearl with pearl the pearl harbor attack happened and then you know that all got scrapped and i i've just often wondered would dumbo have even made more money you know or been more or more successful or what would have things have been like you know had that sad day yeah. gone differently because it was going to be on the christmas cover of time magazine yeah. which, huge you know, huge back then and yeah. uh and yeah so i have this book here it's called, if you're watching the, the video, it's um, Walt Disney, The Triumph of the American Imagination by Neil Gabler. Gabler, I'm not sure. 
and it's a really big book. <laughs> Look at this. I've been listening to an audio book like off and on. I'll just kind of listen to it in little spurts <laughs> for like a long time. <laughs> and I still have, I still have, I, I like to listen to it when I do go to Disneyland. I'll listen to it when I'm at Disneyland because there's just something kind of cool about that. Um, yeah, and uh, I still have something like six hours or whatever left. Well, but I'm, I'm getting close. But it's a huge book and it's a good book. But, um, but I wanted to read a couple little portions of what he says here about Dumbo, and then we can talk about it. So the first thing he says, even better, from Walt's perspective, Dumbo required none of the special effects that had slowed the production and added to the budgets of Pinocchio, Bambi, and Fantasia. Dumbo is an obvious straight cartoon, Walt proclaimed. I'll deliberately make it that way. It's the type to do that with. It's caricature all the way through. So what do you think about that, Stanford? Well, I mean, I completely agree. And, I, and, and that's one of the things I think is so just charming about it. You know, I, I think I often say about this or think this about so many Disney films, but the character art is just so perfect. <laughs> you know, it's just so, yeah. the characters are so fantastic in it. And, that's so true. And uh, that's, I was marveling about that just this, with this rewatch, you know, getting ready for the podcast, just how much I love everything from, this, you know, the storks to all the circus animals, to the, the, the circus performers and, you know, the clown, everything. I just, I just love everything about, about the look of the look of the film. And I think that, and it's true. I guess there's not a lot of effects. shots. I've wondered about that, that scene where they're setting up the circus tents. That seems to be with all the rain and stuff. I think that's pretty mm -hmm. impressive with the animation. Yeah. And then of course the pink elephant sequence, which maybe that's not necessarily full of effects animation, but it sure is original. You know, yeah. and, and artistically so interesting, um, particularly more as an adult. I think as a kid, I was more, I was kind of freaked out about it, but <laughs> I like it. I really like it now. <laughs> yeah, I, he, I agree. I was kind of scared of it as a kid, but now I just look at it as, oh my gosh, they're so creative. It was yeah, so, I know, right? So fun. Um, I agree with you there. We'll talk, uh, but I, I really like it. It says, Ward Kimball remembered being waylaid by Walt in the parking lot one day and being told he was going to start on a circus picture, animating a scene in which crows sing a song about seeing an elephant fly. Walt then recited the entire story in five minutes. And listening to him tell the story, Kimball said, clearly recognizing that Walt had told the story in what for him was record time, I could tell that the picture was going to work because everything sounded right and it had a great plot. So, first of all, jealous of Ward Kimball. Can you imagine <laughs> having Walt Disney himself tell you the plot of Dumbo? Have, have you have him pitch the story to you? <laughs> oh, man. Totally oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah. Do you agree, Eli, that, it's, that part of the reason why it works is just this really tight script? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Like, like most of the things that Walt Disney pitched were like really it was felt like they were being told by a genius storyteller and and it was very evident in this film because one of the great things about a lot of animated disney movies is that the the story is really simple and simple stories are really great vehicles for having great characters because you can focus on the characters and the characters are really important because those are the 
most memorable things about the movie. And they were able to focus on really making a lot of great Disney characters because the stories were so tight and simple and mm-hmm. not complicated at all. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it interesting that so often the case with Disney through the course of the company's career history that the movies that they made that were kind of the B projects that were sort of the financial, the little bit slice slash money grabs kind of that you could qualify, whatever you, however you want to term it, that those are the ones that do end up kind of ringing the most true with audiences. Like a lot of times I feel like they're super ambitious films are not the ones that, that have that lasting as much. I mean, people love all Disney films for one degree or another, but I don't know. You just think about like Lion King versus Pocahontas. You think about, um, uh, about Cinderella uh, versus Alice in Wonderland. You know, there's just a bunch of, there's a bunch of examples. And I think it's kind of interesting. Yeah. 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 Lilo and Stitch was actually uh, Mm -hmm. made on a budget too, because Michael Eisner wanted that movie to be made so that they could cut back on the the budget and make profits the same way Dumbo was, the same reason why Dumbo was made. And and Lilo and Stitch is kind of more popular than something like The Hunchback of Notre Dame, which they were. Mm, Yeah, that's a good point. Epic thing. You could even say like Wreck-It Ralph versus something like Princess and the Frog, you know, kind of a thing. Yeah, so it's yeah. really ambitious versus something. Uh, and so, I don't know, it's, it's an interesting thing. I like this too. Said, And there was another reason they were able to make Dumbo so quickly. Walt, for the first time, had removed the burden of expectation for perfect animation, meaning that the animators were not to agonize any more than the story crew had. In fact... He assigned many of the newcomers to the picture. I was one of the poor boys, animator Bill Pete said. They put all the rich boys, the top animators, making the big salaries, working on Bambi. They wanted to make it a gem. So <laughs> that's kind of interesting, too. It's kind of a similar thing to Lanky. Yeah. You know? And yeah. So yeah, it's just this, like, scrappy little movie. And I think that when he says, because a lot of times you hear this, in the animation community, we hear this, oh, something's a cartoon. It's kind of a little bit derogatory almost. But I think what he meant is just <laughs> that Dumbo is one of just the most appealing, cutest characters in the history of movies. Like, he is so cute. Yeah. Yeah, right? I mean, no one I can deny it. He's so Absolutely. cute. Absolutely. He's so cute. The instant he shows up. Yeah. Yeah. Very appealing character design. Oh, Absolutely. I just was marveling at that again. This this this, this watch because I mean he's relatively simple but so adorable. Those and just the masterful way, just even how they animate his eyes, you know, as I mean, everything yeah, about, yeah. about it, so good. Mm-hmm. And another interesting thing about this is a ton of the nine old men were involved in the yeah. movie in one stage or another, at least, which is fun. I mean, I love the watercolor look of the whole movie. And they did try to kind of emulate that in Lilo and Stitch, uh, which is fun. That was same kind of yeah, water watercolor look. I, I love, I don't know, I love that. I think it's so, and it really fits a circus theme, I think. Oh, yeah, that's true. It's a really good film. Yeah. So let's dive into the actual movie. So we start out with Look Out for Mr. Stork. And you have your stork, and he's... Uh, 
giving his little bundles to all the different people, all the different animals. <laughs> and, and speaking of cuteness, I yeah. mean, that whole scene is so cute. Because I mean, again, baby animals, hello, are so cute. And then animated at such, again, such a simple, but really a high level. Uh, you know, I mean, just, just the expressions they're able to, the animators did with when when the little mama you know when the mamas were receiving their their baby animals is just the most adorable sequence i think yeah for sure i couldn't help but think of um is it partly cloudy is the one with the stork yes that pixar did yes i was thinking about that too yeah. They had to clearly have been inspired by Dumbo, don't yeah, you think? Sure. Somehow, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it reminded me of Dumbo. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's 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 a perfect way to kind of set the set the scene and and it, it, when you see Dumbo, like just because he is so cute, the fact that these uh these catty elephants, <laughs> I like to call them, that they're so mean that you're just like what is wrong with you? <laughs> like he's yeah. so cute. <laughs> yeah, leave him alone. He's a cute. He's a cute. Yeah. Those mm-hmm. elephants are the they are the they are the worst, aren't they? They yeah. And the music was written by Frank Churchill and Oliver Wallace, who uh, also worked on Snow White. Uh, yeah, they did some great stuff with Snow White. Mm-hmm. And Pinocchio. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh and yeah, I like the songs. Even uh, they the Casey Jr. is coming down the track. That sequence is so cute. It's my favorite, and again, I love that music. That just takes me back to my childhood because, again, I, I think I had that on some kind of a you know a record, and I just mm-hmm. listened to that song over and over and over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, one of the things I loved about that movie was how they, they the the details that Walt Disney puts into those movies. The train in that movie is completely anthropomorphized, and it's yeah. like it's yes. <laughs> That's true. And isn't yeah. it just great? <laughs> I just yeah. love it. Completely unnecessary, but it was totally fun to see. Yeah. It yeah. really did make the song kind of come alive. And, and the other thing that I noticed this time that I had never noticed before is when he, I don't know if it's just because he's late dropping Dumbo off, but he sings happy birthday to Dumbo. And that's got to be the only time in a, in a certainly in a Disney animated film that they sing the traditional happy birthday. Oh yeah. I never noticed that. Yeah. It's a good, good observation, <laughs> Rachel. <laughs> I'm not sure. If I, yeah. Cause do you maybe know that for, I think your listeners could, could challenge, you know, challenge that, but I don't, I'm, I'm with you. I don't think there's another one. Yeah. Because did you know that somebody owned the copyright for happy birthday for, for, I think it just expired when in yeah. public domain and so for years, anybody that sang that in a movie, They'd have to pay. if you looked in the credits with all the songs, they had to pay a royalty. Because that song was expensive. Yeah. <laughs> so they would try to just kind of try to not do it. And uh, again, it had to be in the credits and, it's so funny. I know you don't even think of that when you're a kid. Exactly. <laughs> and Rach, can I interject just one quick yeah, thing to you about the about the whole you know, this birthday or the you know the Dumbo drop off sequence? Uh, initially, you know when the, the lookout for Mr. Stork song is happening and everybody is getting their babies except for Mrs. Jumbo, I just think instantly, the, again the way that they animate her, you fall in love with Mrs. Jumbo because she, you know, you can tell like this sad look on her face. I mean, she's so excited. She's thinking that maybe that you know maybe her baby's going to arrive, 
And then when it doesn't, and she looks so sad, I think instantly you feel sympathy for her, which then carries it through the film, mm-hmm. you know? And, right. and again, just another tribute to this, to the excellent storytelling and, and, and the stellar animation. Yeah. Uh, and they do yeah. that all, uh, Mrs. Jumbo as, Aside from, I guess, if you count Baby Mind being her talking, but it's not really. Uh, but she only speaks one time in the yeah. f- film, <laughs> and that Jumbo Junior is it? She so says the name. Yeah, and it's all through her. So it's all through her. Yeah, expressions, the animation, everything like that. That it's just so well done. Yeah, it was the animation that made her likable. It wasn't anything else but just the, the pure yeah. talent of the artist. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and the Baby Mind sequence comes later than I remembered. I was For some reason, I was thinking it was right after the, uh, the, the pyramid toppling, but it's actually pretty late. Yeah. And so that was interesting. <laughs> they have... Uh, Verna Felton, who does actually voice Mrs. Jumbo, that one word, <laughs> she was, uh, I don't know if she's officially a Disney legend. I assume she must be, but posthumously. But she was a legend, whether it's official or not. Uh, an incredible voice talent uh, for yeah, better be a Disney legend. Yeah, I bet she is. We'll have to check. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'd be surprised. <laughs> she's amazing. Huh? Yeah. yeah. I mean, she, because she did, she was in Jungle Book. She was a uh, fairy godmother. She was Aunt Sarah in Lady in the Tramp. Who was yeah. The and the Queen of Hearts. <laughs> yeah, the Queen of Hearts, you're right. Absolutely. All right, yeah. So she yeah. was incredible, incredible uh, voice actress. And Cliff Edwards uh, is, is another one that was very talented. And oh, yeah. Sterling Holloway. Is the is the stork, oh, right. isn't he? Oh, you're right. Yeah, you're right. He's the stork. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's the so, one who sings "Happy Birthday." <laughs> yeah, I love him. I do yeah. too. Isn't he? Isn't he just terrific? Oh yeah. And so these catty elephants, uh, they see the big ears and they say, "Jumbo, you mean Dumbo?" And so mean. So mean. so cruel. What <laughs> cute little Dumbo. So yeah. then we get the Rostabouts song. And I actually feel like this song is more problematic than the Crows song, personally. But again, I agree with you. I'm not, uh, you know, it's not my, not my community. So, so, but I thought I would talk about some of the lyrics a little bit. It just says, we work all day, we work all night, we never learn to read or write. We're happy-hearted Rostabouts. When other folks have gone to bed, we slave until we're almost dead. We're happy-hearted roustabouts. We don't know when we get our pay, and when we do, we throw our pay away. We get our pay when children say, with happy hearts, it's circus day today. So <laughs> I feel like that's way more problematic than just some silly prose. <laughs> what are yes, your I, I, I will agree with you there because it's like uh, it's implied that these people making the tents are African-Americans and the lyrics are uh, based on stereotypes about African-Americans, about how they're, uh, well, if you just read the lyrics, you can see what those stereotypes are because they're pretty straightforward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they don't know how to read. They don't know how to use their money. Yeah, exactly, exactly. that they're basically slaves. They don't know how to write. 
and they're just kind of big goofs. They're just happy hearted yeah. roustabouts. Yeah. But they're happy hearted roustabouts, so it's okay. So uh, yeah, and I don't necessarily I didn't like how they were portrayed um kind of pouring out of the rail car too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because there's a whole bunch of them in there. It's like, how do they fit all of them in, in this <laughs> car, you know? It just, it, 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 it bothered me. Uh, so I'm happy to, to get your perspective on this, Eli, because, um, yeah, I was, wondering about, I was wondering about those lyrics. I mean, I was, I was wowed by the, 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 anim, you know, the animation in the rain, you know, the, you know with the rain. And, and I, I, that sequence has always interested me, also because I like how they, they animate Dumbo in it. Um, yeah, I was kind of helping, but then also like continually scared and kind of running back to his mom. But it's just cute, you know, and interesting. Yeah. But then this other stuff's going on that more as an adult, I'm just thinking, wow, this this probably isn't that great. Yeah, you, you know, what? when I watched this movie as a kid, you know, you you can't tell the race of the people because because it's so dark. You think that these guys yeah. working on the circus are just silhouettes, and also right. you you I couldn't understand the lyrics either so it wasn't a major problem when i was a kid it's just mm-hmm. when you get perspective on it as an adult you realize these things and the origins yeah. of and problematic yeah. yeah yeah absolutely and the thing i think i guess we'll talk a little bit more about this too but the thing i think about the problematic elements of dumbo is that the overall message of Dumbo is so positive. Uh, the overall message is about tolerance and acceptance and loving. And the things that make you different are the things that, that make you special. And there's so many positive messages in Dumbo that I think it's a real shame to, like I said, throw the elephant out with the bathwater. <laughs> that, that it has so much positive that people need to hear and that we need to talk about that I feel like any kind of uh, observant active parent could easily sort of sway the conversation for maybe the more problematic we could talk about that certainly you don't want to deny it but but they can still watch this movie and have a really positive discussion with their kids about about judging and uh, people that are different and when they feel different. And, and so it just seems like the very message of the movie is so positive that it outweighs a lot of these negatives to me. Yeah, I actually agree that I love the, one of the reasons I love the movie so much is because of the positive message. And if there's anything in the movie that you don't, that you disagree with or that you don't want your child to take away from then you that it's your job as a parent to guide them in that situation yeah yeah i mean i still hold that any disney movie that you can you can even ones that i don't particularly like there's a positive message in every single disney movie there's something you can say uh yeah, correct. You kids that's what i think uh but none of us have kids so we're <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so they end up the the elephants are mocking uh, Dumbo, and Mrs. Jumbo gets really upset, and and the people, the clowns and stuff, are also, and and Miss Jumbo gets very upset, and so she gets engaged, and so she's not with, and that's really sad for Dumbo. And oh my gosh, when Dumbo cries, don't you? Just, it's like oh. Your heart just breaks. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry for him. 
Again, people are calling Dumbo a freak, stuff like that. It's like, woo, woo. Yeah, I mean, clearly, Mrs. J- and I, again, I mean, I, I always thought this, but Mrs. Jumbo is so justified in her behavior, you know? It's yeah. not. I didn't, yeah. I didn't even mind that. Yeah, she was just, she seemed justified to me, too. Yeah, she's just, she's just protecting her baby from these crazy, you know, these crazed humans that are being yeah. horrible. I agree. They call him a freak. They say I wouldn't eat in the same bale of hay with him uh, and pretend you don't see him. And that's what Timothy Q. Mouse hears. And I love Timothy Q. Mouse. Uh, he's the best Great. character. Yeah. I sent you guys a little clip because there is this idea that part of the reason why they picked a mouse, Timothy Q. Mouse, is to be friends with an elephant is because there's this thing that uh, my that elephants are afraid of mice. Yes, and so yeah. <laughs> that it was like an unlikely friendship, and uh, and I sent you guys a little clip from yeah. the MythBusters crew, but they <laughs> yes. were in Africa, <laughs> and they decided yeah. they were going to test. I'll put a link in the description section if you want to watch this. Uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, but they wanted to test whether this could be true. And, and going into it, there was, I am positive. There's no way this is true. There's no way that a, an elephant is afraid of a tiny little mouse. And they, just, and they did the test four different times. And each time, the elephant stops dead in his tracks and moves <laughs> back. <laughs> like just like abruptly I, stops isn't it fascinating it was like it really how does was. that work the elephants are so huge <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah they tested they tested it very thoroughly it yeah. was like undeniable that elephants were actually scared of mice yeah isn't that crazy so it, that's why that's why they picked timothy q mouse and that was a big, uh, I'm not, not going to talk much about the new version, but I did miss uh, having a Timothy. I didn't feel like they had a Timothy Q. Mouse character. And I did miss, I did miss that element in the new movie. Absolutely. Because he's well, just one of the best characters in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He saved Dumbo practically by like yeah. cheering him up when he was feeling down. That's why I liked him so much. Me yeah. too. So Timothy Mouse, he says that he's going to make him the most famous. And so he decides, he kind of scares the gossips. He says, we've got to give you an idea to make you famous. The circuit. And so that's where he gets the, the idea of the circuit ma- to the circus master of the Pyramid of 17 Elephants. And t- the Timothy kind of is able to sort of convince <laughs> through creative shadow puppets <laughs> of the seven elephants and i mean the 17 elephants and there were seven seven sorry seven and uh so they they do this whole sequence and i how do you think they do is sort of capturing this sort of feel of a circus i don't did you ever get to go um eli to a circus i never went sadly i don't know I've just seen them depicted in the movies and the TV mm-hmm. shows, and I have to say, it, it, this could just be personal taste, but it doesn't seem like my cup of tea. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you ever get to go, Stanford, to a circus? Yes, you know, I did. My dad was a management consultant, and one of his clients handled the, the local advertising whenever Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey, Bailey Circus came to town. 
So I got to go a few times when I was a kid just because my dad would get tickets through work, you know? And um, so I'm kind of couching that because it's, it ne- wasn't necessarily my cup of tea. And also, you know, when I went as a kid, the circus was always just in a big, it was in the sports arena. You know, the, the, it was, it was in yeah. like the Salt Palace back in the day or, or you know, then it moved to the Delta Center. And I'm not sure I ever saw the circus in the Delta Center. We'd always go you know, back in the day at the old Salt Palace here in Salt Lake City. But um, regardless, so some of that charm wasn't there, you know, at least the live view it is charming, like with the train and the circus tent, you know, and all, and all that stuff, kind of that circus aesthetic that I think the movie portrays so mm-hmm. attractively, but uh, still though, you know, when I went to the circus, I mean, there were animals, you know, they had, they had the elephants come out and, and, and the lion tamer and all, all, all that stuff that, and clearly they don't yeah. do it anymore. And then, you know, on Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus is no more. You know, they've, they've, yeah. they've, 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 shut, they've shut it down. But yeah, I went in like 2015, something like that, or 14, something like that. I went to uh, the Ringling Brothers, and that was a really fun experience. And, uh, yeah, there's just a certain um, uh, panache and, and just flair to the circus. That's, that's yeah, I mean, you know, the, the Ringmaster, you know, just, I mean, as he's portrayed in Dumbo. Mm-hmm. kind of what he was like yeah and if people want to watch a really interesting documentary last year on pbs their american uh, american experience they had a great documentary all about the circus and it that it was like basically the first sort of american art, kind of art form in a way that it was uh, you know that it all started in america and then sprouted kind of out of there so it's an interesting thing and they kind of, I think they capture that sort of feel. And I really like how they use sort of the shadows for, for, for the characters. Me too. Uh, for the human characters, for most of it. And, uh, and I really like the way they draw the, um, the, uh, the clowns and their environment uh, wow. and that whole thing. I don't know. It just looks really cool. Yeah. Because they're I so agree. fast. They're going yeah. so fast. You know, the clowns are very, uh, very off-putting characters, but they but they're drawn in in the best way. Yeah. And so the the gossips, the caddy elephants, are all injured after the fall, and uh, so uh, they decide to make uh, they kind of force Dumbo to be turned into a clown. So he that's when you see the clown firemen, and they have Dumbo in the in the uh, makeup. Uh, the circ the clown makeup, and uh, you see him crying for his mom. Don't you just feel for Dumbo too? Because he looks so scared up there. Yeah, you know the clowns are just doing their clown thing, and Dumbo just looks horrified the whole time, and he just breaks your heart. <laughs> you know? it's so sad. Well, they, did, they did a good job selling how terrible that was, though, because you know yes. before that started the the elephants all said that like being a clown was like the lowest possible thing you could be so it was really like really a (laughs) horrible thing and like and then dumbo is like forced to like do this thing while his mother is locked away so it's like he doesn't want to be doing this he wants to be with his mom right now and 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 now and these clowns are like the least funny clowns ever and these are (laughs) (laughs) so true well, and so then this is when we get the baby mind sequence. So she's uh, Jumbo, Miss Jumbo is in the trailer in the cage or whatever you want to call it. 
and she can barely put out her trunk and but just enough that she can swing rock her baby rock dumbo and she sings baby mine and that's sung by a singer named betty noise and uh who i uh, is um did the <laughs> it's interesting she did uh, the dubbing for two of the songs uh, by Debbie Reynolds and Singing in the Rain, which is interesting. So she uh, she was a big um, uh, musical dubber. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Yeah, and I love Baby Mine. I think Baby Mine is so beautiful. That's yeah, I agree. That song is is is, is like very good at selling the emotion, and, and like I get teary-eyed thinking about that sequence actually Mm -hmm. oh so do i every time i watch it i cry (laughs) i just it really is really emotional yeah it's so good and and you just feel that that moment is very emotionally true for both the characters you really feel like you were rooting for him to get with the the, to be with his mom and then they finally are together for a brief moment so you like really feel for Dumbo in that moment. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. You know, when Timothy Mouse is taking Dumbo out to the, you know, to Mrs. Jumbo's cage, one little thing I noticed this time, and maybe I've noticed it before, but little Dumbo grabs, grabs Timothy's tail. Like he's holding, I mean, that's how he's hold, like holding his hand. You know, you just think, oh, there's just this little, you know, baby elephant who just needs, needs that. And then when he gets to Mrs. Jumbo, I was like, forget about it. You know how, how beautiful, how beautiful that is. And again, no, I mean, the song, the song is beautiful and that really sets, sets the tone, but that animation is so fantastic Mm -hmm. that here it's an elephant's trunk that is conveying a mother's love. You know, I just think these guys were so good. They were so good at their craft. It's just, yeah. The one of, one of the main animators who worked on the elephant in that movie was, uh, uh, Vladimir Bill Tytla. Oh yeah, yeah. Bill Tytla. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He was the guy who did the. He animated a lot of scenes with the dwarfs, like Grumpy and yes. And, and he did Stromboli and Pinocchio, and so he was good at doing like those kind of characters. But like, th- he wanted to do something different with Dumbo. He wanted to, to try something more sensitive and less like. And less angry <laughs> yeah like, and, and he so he just to test his art skills and so he was the one responsible for a lot of the emotional scenes in that movie and he's really masterful oh seriously wow yeah and so then we get to next we have uh, the elephants on parade sequence. So this is one of our lovely <laughs> Disney sequences where characters get drunk, which they loved back then. <laughs> they had Dumbo getting dry. I'm not, um, they had um, Dopey getting drunk. They had Dumbo getting drunk. They have Pinocchio. <laughs> like it's, a, it's a thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Life. And you have that long sequence in Sleeping Beauty where they're just drinking. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. Yeah. They like to do that. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's really interesting because this definitely has a feel of sort of the surrealism of the time uh, and that you would get with something like Salvador Dali. Uh, the whole 
pink elephants on parade. I mean, it just feels so different than the rest of Pinocchio in so many ways. And it's just, but I kind of love that. I kind of love when animators, you can tell they were just like, have fun with this part. <laughs> go for it. Go crazy. I, I go for it completely. And they have tried to kind of ape it a couple of times, but I still enjoy those copies for the most part. I mean, the worst example is probably the, uh, not probably, the worst example is the yodeling song in Home on the Range. <laughs> that definitely has a little uh, bit of a, of a yeah, pink elephant's on parade. You could tell, tell there was a bit of a pink elephant on parade influence in that Home on the Range sequence. but not, definitely not up to par, but you could tell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then also the biggest other one is definitely the Heffalumps and Woozles. In yeah. 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 Right. For sure. Yeah, totally. I mean, Winnie the Pooh and the Blustery Day. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. That, that sequence was, I, I, I grew up on Winnie the Pooh and the Blustery Day and I saw that sequence before I saw Pink Elephant on Parade. So. Oh, I, okay. Yeah. So, which was good because I couldn't, I didn't have to compare it. So that was a good first one to see. As soon as I saw Pink Elephants on Parade for the first time, that blew my mind. Yeah. That was, to this day, my favorite scene in a Disney movie is Pink Elephants on Parade. You have no idea how much I love that, that scene. What do you think of that scene, Stanford? It's so surrealism. It's so different. Oh, I love it. I absolutely love it. I I just think it's creativity and bridal, <laughs> and and because uh, it's all just so random. I mean, you know, when <laughs> elephants are everything from camels to automobiles to you know, and then and and s- the skaters and all the different ways that they are drawn and portrayed to. Yet it's also colorful. I love that they they. They keep that black background basically for you know for the for the sequence and um, just love I love the color palette that's used. I yeah, I love how completely unpredictable that scene yes. is. No idea. <laughs> now I Walt wouldn't actually meet Salvador Dali until 1944. So well after this but his animators were definitely influenced and and one of the i kind of one of the sad things and if you were looking at the perspective of walt disney is he really tried to create the the like perfect in his eyes the perfect working environment where he was he had these he had a whole school where his animators could go to school and and different things and so for from his perspective when there was the big strike uh, it was very, very devastating to him, and he yeah. felt a huge sense of betrayal. He took it so personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and uh, so he he really wanted his animators to uh, to embrace new styles, to be uh, kind of aware of uh, to be artists and to not just be technicians. And I think that's probably why he would allow a sequence like Pink Elephants on Parade to. To, to be in a, in a film that is supposed to be kind of serviceable. You know what I mean? As far as the animation, it's supposed to be kind of not as creative as, um, and then you have this wacko sequence. Yeah. Um, and, uh, sure. But yeah, the animators were definitely aware of surrealism and they were definitely influenced by it for sure. Yeah, very, really... cubist, very cubist art movements type feel in that sequence. It was very modern. 
Yeah. I think it really adds an interesting touch to the, just the overall narrative flow as well. Cause it's almost like it provides a, a bit of a break and it helps because you've had this really heavy emotional scene, you know, with the, with the baby mine sequence. And then this kind of leads up into the more fanciful element of the film when we learn the Dumbo, you know, can fly. And I, I, I think it's a wonderful kind of, you know, a break and a bridge, you know, in, into the, into, into, uh, kind of act three, uh, you know, of, uh, of the movie. Mm-hmm. I would agree with you on that. I think so too. And so after this, then Dumbo and Timothy Q. Mouse wake up very high up on a tree. And they're first, they're like, how did we get up on a tree? <laughs> I don't remember because they were drunk. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, the, the crows, this is we get introduced to the crows and the crows are, laughing because they can't believe it how the heck did an elephant get up in a tree so what do you think eli about the crows what is your feelings about them okay this is this is what i wanted to talk about mainly when i came to this podcast okay see now the there is a very understandable negative reaction to the crows in this movie because what a lot of people are reacting to and they see the crows is that, okay, these crows, it's implied that based on how they talk and how they look and based on the fact that African-Americans have voiced uh, the majority of the crows in the movie, that the crows are caricatures of Mm African-Americans. But the characters of African-Americans that the crows are portraying are mostly things about African-Americans that were uh, popularized in minstrel shows and which, and, and the minstrel shows of the 19th century were created by white people who wore blackface. And a lot of the things that those uh, white people portray, a lot of things that those white people put into those shows are the things that the crows portray, which is that they are like these, the way they talk sort of exaggerated and they have like a happy-go-lucky attitude towards everything and they and they and they also like to make fun of stuff and like, that's how the crows are portrayed it's sort of like these like they are caricatures of african-americans the same way that white people caricature african-americans uh, in minstrel shows in which makes the crows seem like they were for white audiences not black audiences that is the main reason why people have a problem with the crows. Mm-hmm. And, but I, one of the main reasons why I don't have a problem with the crows is because the crows are, yeah, it's definitely, it's got like a feeling of a minstrel show, but those shows are based on actual people. Like the, the black people that the shows are based on mm-hmm. They are real and they have, and they are allowed to act the way that these crows do. And I have a black family. I have seen black people act like these crows and they talk the same way. And so this, and so it's not like it's an unauthentic portrayal of the way black people are. It's just that people don't like the idea of white people 
like using that for their own entertainment. And so it's like, hey, I think that these crows should be like taken back by black people and just and say, hey, these are the kinds of characters that should be around because like this is a this is an authentic way we speak and and white people just because they used it doesn't mean that we can't we can't use it we're the ones who invented this way of talking how we talk so i just think we should take it back and say that it's a positive portrayal mm-hmm. because, yeah. because yeah because well i feel like you can do both like you can say that it's problematic and still find a way to appreciate it like that both things can be true uh and you're right that that uh different communities can find ways as a survival tactic probably most of all to take those things that are meant as kind of maybe slightly mocking in tone uh and then use it as kind of a badge of honor in a way sometimes that you can have uh which is is really really great you know really cool uh and and even back in this is not some like new thing because i hate that when we're not that we shouldn't analyze the hits of the past but i do find it very annoying (laughs) when we're all like well you know that uh that nothing in the past was good enough we can't see the value also that we are just like these pedantic hipsters that drives me crazy you know but you know but even, even back then, like that, I, I forget the name, but the head of the NAACP spoke out against it. It's not like this is just something that's sort of a modern, ooh, we're looking back at it and we're concerned kind of a thing. It was, it was a, a discussion even back then. Right. Yeah, exactly. And another thing I want to mention is that the portrayal of the crows in the movie is not a negative portrayal the characters are actually really good characters and they actually sympathize with Dumbo and as soon as Timothy Mouse gives that speech about how Dumbo is being made fun of and then they start feeling sorry for him and then they try to help him by like giving him the confidence Mm -hmm. to like overcome his like problems in his life and giving him this ability to fly with the magic feather see now they're actually really good characters. Yeah. Like, they're positive. Well, yeah. even somebody like Whoopi Goldberg, she said that uh, she has a desire for the Crows characters to be merchandised by Disney because those Crows sing the song in Dumbo that everybody remembers. So it's not a universal uh, feeling on the film. Eli, one of the things that I, you know, I've wondered over the years, uh, particularly you know, watching Dumbo as an adult, right? The the crows reminded me of like um, Cab Calloway or some other kind of African American actors of the time period, yeah. uh, you know, uh, in in films that were probably made by white people again. But I don't think all of them necessarily were, or they had primarily, you know, just depending on depending on the cast. But was that is that an accurate? Description, do you think, on, on my part, to think that that's also what, almost like what the filmmakers were going for, you know? You know, with, with I, you know characters? I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up, actually, because Ward Kimball, Rachel was just talking about Ward Kimball. Yeah. He, was the, he was the primary animator on those crows. And yeah. He was the guy who animated them. And he said that the, the crows were based on actual 
black people that he knew because Ward Kimball was the musician and he knew a lot of black musicians and he based the behavior of the crows on them. So he actually, so even though people are reminded of minstrel shows when they see the crows, he actually did base them off of actual African-Americans. And that's what I'm talking about when I say that the crows actually are authentic portrayals of African-Americans. Because a lot of African-American people do act like the way those crows do. They're always telling jokes and, and making fun of people and like having a good time. And, and so just because white people used that in their shows, it doesn't mean that black people don't can't own those qualities again. And 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 it was actually a authentic portrayal of black people mm-hmm. and based on what Ward Kimball was saying. Mm-hmm. So uh, that so that's that's my that's my yeah. thoughts. Yeah, so they were voiced by all African American actors and uh the the they were members of the Hal Johnson choir that was a popular choir of the day. And yes. Uh, so, you know, it's an interesting thing. Uh, and you do get quite a powerful speech from Timothy Q. Mouse. He says, you ought to be ashamed of yourselves, a bunch of big guys like you, picking on a poor little orphan like him. Suppose you was torn away from your mother when you was just a baby. Nobody to tuck you in at night, no warm, soft, caressing trunk to snuggle into. How would you like being left out alone in a cold, cruel, heartless world? And why, I ask you, why? Just because he's got those big ears. They call him a freak, the laughing stock of the circus. And when his mother tried to protect him, they threw her into the clink. And on top of that, they made him a clown. Socially, he's washed up, ah. But what's the use of talking to you cold-hearted voids? Go ahead, have your fun, laugh at him. Kick him now that he's down. Go on. We don't care. So that's a pretty strong. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good scene. And, you know, as Eli was mentioning too, I mean, they, the crows, I mean, they're emotional. They're crying, you know, I mean, they're, they're, they're moved by this talk. And you know what, when I watched this movie as a kid, like the crows, I never saw them as negative, like uh, stereotypes or anything. I, I, I loved the crows and I still do because, because there's nothing negative about them. They're very good characters. I think they're one of my favorite Disney characters. Well, and they're the ones that give the feather, give the idea for the feather. I was saying enable Dumbo. mm -hmm. And they get him to, you know, to fly. So there is that positive. And that's what I think like the overall, even if that does bother you, which I totally respect if it does uh, bother people listening I just feel like the overall message of accepting people that are different and being kind and being tolerant and that you're what makes you different is really what can make you the most special. It's such a positive message. And uh, so I would say try to, if we can focus on that, I think that, uh, I don't know. I just think we should. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. I agree. Cause I, yeah. I agree too. It's an interesting thing. And yeah, and that song is really fun. If I see an elephant fly, just as far as the song, it's a really enjoyable song. And I love how they're I back for the reprise. Oh, I sorry I interrupted you, Eli. Yeah, I said I loved that song. It's a great song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do too. And I, again, I love how they, they bring it back at the very end to how the crows are flying there with Dumbo. You know, um, so, so fun. So great. 
Yeah. You know what? Also, I want to, I want also want to iterate that if anybody else has a problem of like with the portrayal of the crows in the movie, like just like Rachel was saying, I, I respect your opinion about it. I, I'm not going to try to force you to like the crows because I understand why you wouldn't. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, my opinion is that they're good characters. Yeah. I think that's good. And then, so then we get uh, the final scene at the circus and uh, Dumbo loses his feather. And so he thinks he can't do it. And Timothy basically convinces him he can do it. And then he uh, is able to fly. And so that's sort of the end message. It's just really sweet. And you see Dumbo and um, his mom together and you get the, you know, the headline uh, in the paper and the, you know, everything else. And it's just, it's really, really sweet. So that's Dumbo. It's a really lovely uh, little Disney film, I think. I, and I actually have it in my ranking, my most recent ranking that I did <laughs> um, at number 11 uh, in my rankings. I have it pretty high because I just really enjoy it. Uh, I have Frozen at 12, and I had Lion King at 10. So. Wow. That's actually pretty uh, close to where my ranking of Dumbo is. It's pretty up there with all, with like all the canon animated Disney movies. It's, mm-hmm. it's definitely one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Uh, where, where, what quadrant would you have it in? <laughs> yeah, see, Eli, I, I have a hard time actually ranking him, so I have him in quadrants of like excellent, really good, and then like not good. <laughs> it's excellent. It's, right. it's one of my... It's one of my all-time favorites. I absolutely love Dumbo. Everything, we, I love everything about it. When we uh, finish this, we'll have to I'll have to get force you. Dan, I know. Uh, I really am gonna. <laughs> I, I agree. I, I've tried. I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> but I will. I will. I promise. You, I'll do a ranking. I'll force myself. <laughs> All right. So we're gonna figure out the uh, the number generator. We're gonna use our little number generator. Figure out what we're doing next month because we didn't want to do it in chronological order because it just felt boring to us. So here we go. (laughs) All right. Stanford, does that, does this mean that you don't know what your favorite Disney movie is? Oh, I do. I do know. Well, it's, it's kind of a tie, but but my all time favorite is Beauty and the Beast. Oh, that's a good choice. Good choice. Yeah. Yeah. I go back and forth between Little Mermaid and, uh, Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast is, I think, probably the best. Uh, but I think that Little Mermaid, just with nostalgia thrown in, is my favorite. What's your favorite, Eli? My favorite's The Lion King. Excellent. Yeah. I think we all have good choices. Yes, I do. <laughs> Can't go wrong. <laughs> okay, so we have a cute one for next month. We have number 51 which uh, is, I think, let me make sure. It's Winnie the Pooh, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I was going to make sure. Yeah, so we have next month, uh, we continue to avoid the package films. We haven't done a single one. Yeah, not a single one. <laughs> but next <laughs> month, we're going to talk about the uh, 2011 Winnie the Pooh. So that'll be really fun. That'll be good. That has some nice, like, scary moments we talk about with Halloween and everything. I think that'll be fun. So there we go. That's what we'll talk about next month so this has been so much fun i really love talking about dumbo uh with both of you thank you so much eli for coming 
Yeah, you're and welcome. Thank you, you guys. Wonderful to talk with you. Thank you so much. And yeah, thank you, Stanford. Eli, how can people follow you on social media, all that fun stuff? If you want to follow me on social media, go to my go to Twitter. I'm at eJunkie2014. And if you follow me there, I'll send you the links to everywhere else I am on the internet. So just go to Twitter. Great. And Stanford, where can people find you? On Twitter, I'm at Stanford Clark. And then I have a movie blog and podcast, which can be found at moviespastandpresent.com. Great. Yes. And you can find me at Rachel's Reviews, all of our social media, iTunes and YouTube and on Rotten Tomatoes. And we have the Talking Disney podcast on Anchor as its own thing. So have the link in the description. You definitely want to check that out. If you just want to listen to Just Talking Disney, uh, that's a lot of fun. So uh, yeah, take a look at that. You can also find me at the Hallmarkies podcast. Things are getting really busy there too. So it's going to be fun. And uh, so let us know in the comments section what you think. You always get awesome user comments. You've got such great listeners. Uh, yeah, so we did get, uh, so Alex, uh, Alex Klepp, he says, the title character is absolutely adorable. I love the baby mind sequence. Timothy Q. Mouse's great sidekick. The crows are definitely a product of the times, but are still good characters and has a wonderful climax and ending. And then our friend Jonathan uh, said, just said, Dumbo is a classic in its own right. So we got that. Uh, so yeah, let us know your thoughts if you have any insight into the things we talked about, uh, your opinion on Dumbo. Let us know in the comment section or on Twitter. We love to talk about it. And uh, yeah, that'll be great. And we will, uh, yeah, we'll talk about Winnie the Pooh next month. Bye. Thanks. Bye. bye.